Hey, what is going on, UWB Nation? Drake here. Just wanted to bring you guys another video, another episode. Um, really appreciate you guys tuning in. I've got a lot of really good feedback from my previous podcast. I've also got a lot of really bad feedback from my previous podcast. People who agree, people who disagree, you guys know that I welcome it. Um, the one thing that I do request is that if we are Facebook friends, don't post on my timeline. Hit me up on my messenger. You guys know that I'm totally open to discussion. But don't attack me on my uh, on my timeline because I love having conversations. Um, but I like having conversations in private. And if we carry it over to a public place, that's fine. But just be just be aware that I have a lot of friends, a lot of family, and stuff like that. And I respect your privacy, and I expect the same from you guys. Um, today is a really big episode. We have a lot of announcements. We got a guest on today, uh, and we're totally looking forward to having him on. Um, he's really knowledgeable, he knows his stuff, has a real interesting take on society, has a real interesting take on law, um, and a lot of experience. So it's, it's going to be a good podcast. Um, this podcast is probably going to be running a little bit long for you guys, um, but it's going to be some good information, you know, just things to think about. Either you're sitting on shift or going through a long car ride or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, hopefully we're, we're able to entertain you and you know, bring some self-thought to situations. But uh, anyways, our guest today... Jake Lucas. Hey, what's up, man? That was a that was a very kind introduction there. I don't I don't know that uh, I'm all that smart or that people are going to care about what I have to say, but <laughs> Dude, we'll see how it goes. You're awesome. You're awesome. So tell us a little bit about you, man. For the viewers who don't know you. Um. Uh, so I work with Drake, uh, security forces member. Uh, been in the Air Force for eight years. Uh, originally from California. Um, I spent some time uh, doing nuclear security, spent some time, spent about five years in England uh, with a primary law enforcement role, and now I'm down here in South Carolina, again with another uh, focus on law enforcement. Um, What's something recently you've been working on? So just got done working uh, as a part of a team for the Air Force, writing the new regulation for security forces on law enforcement. So it's something that I take very serious. It's something that I've, I've done a lot of research on that uh, as far as military law enforcement goes, I consider myself uh, fairly educated, uh, com especially compared to most. So something I'm very passionate about. As you know, the law enforcement is the easiest aspect of our career field to screw up. Yes. Absolutely, it's really challenging. Um, so tell us a little bit what you were doing in England. Uh, you know, what, what was going on there? What was the mission for you there? Anything that you can't discuss, we understand. So the primary mission is uh, aircraft security. Uh, over there, I, I went TDY, temporary duty assignment, for those of you that aren't military. Uh, 12 or 13 times, uh, visit, went to 15 different countries while I was over there, uh, most of it for work, doing security and law enforcement. Um, had one deployment to Turkey, if you can call it a deployment, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> it's like those National Guard guys that are getting ragged on right now, yeah. it's like Minnesota isn't a real deployment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, whenever uh, Hurricane Harvey hit, that's how it was down in Houston, everybody was like, uh, Hurricane Harvey isn't a real deployment. And, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but uh, it was it was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I went on a six month TDY essentially. That's but you know, it was a good time. Um, got slapped in the back of the head by a Turk. Turkish really? Individual. What did he do? Yeah, I, I was walking around a bazaar, and then all of a sudden, somebody smacked the back of my head. 
<laughs> like whenever they give you the haircuts and they're cutting your hair and all that, or no, like you I'm, just I'm, like slap the shit out of you. For I'm no literally reason. just staring at some knockoff Nike gym bags in the middle of a Turkish bazaar, and I feel somebody slapped the back of my head. I thought it was a buddy that I was there with. Uh, I expected. You know, it's be him. Just I remember the story. Mentally handicapped. Yeah, the, yeah. the guy that slapped me and ended up being uh, mentally challenged. Um, I turn around and he's just he's got a blank look on his face, and I'm, I'm judging by the look on his face. I'm expecting him to say, "Oh, there was a bug on your head." Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't say or do anything. He's just staring at me with the blank, no emotion look in his face, and. Uh, the group that I'm there with starts freaking out and screaming my name, thinking that I'm going to start swinging on this guy. Yeah. But I'm more confused than anything. I can tell that this guy's not being aggressive. I just wanted to know why my head got slapped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but our interpreter uh, was able to find out that he was a local, uh, mentally challenged, and he always roams that part of the bazaar. And I had a, a fresh haircut, you know, basically skin. All, all around except for the top and you know being a white guy in turkey blonde hair blue eyes maybe just wanted to feel what the back of my head looked like felt like <laughs> dude that is so funny uh that takes a lot of restraint especially you know he probably looked completely normal just turned yeah. around and you just had that strange look it would be hard to restrain yourself it's it, well the strange look on his face there really couldn't even say strange the blank look on his face is what kept me from getting aggressive. Really? Because if I would have turned down and he would have had his eyebrow furrowed, uh, you know, if I would have seen any sort of aggression from him, it would have been game on. But <laughs> Dude, that's a funny story. That's a good one. Um, yeah, man. So you got some good experience on you. Uh, yeah. awesome. You know, you could say that. So what are you thinking? Are you staying in? Are you getting out? What are you, what, what are you feeling right now? Because that's a dynamic thing where one day you could feel something, next day you feel different. I'm definitely planning on staying in. Um, I've completed my bachelor degree program uh, in 2018. I'm looking at applying to become an officer. Uh, the dream is to fly helicopters. Uh, Air Force or Army? Air Force. Okay. Um, you know, I want to go fly cool guys to kill bad guys. Uh, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. If not, I'm on a pretty good path right now, promoting quickly. Uh, I think my knowledge base is matching my current rank. So I don't think there's any worries about promoting too quick at the moment. So definitely plan on staying in. Gotcha. As of now. As awesome. of now. I have, of course, I have my bad days where it's I'm, like, I'm getting the fuck out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, something crazy happens or just too stressed. Yeah, a massive, uh, a massive portion of our listeners are active duty um, or prior military. Um, and so that's awesome. Um, yeah, I know. Awesome. I'm really glad to be able to have you on. Uh, I want to go and just get right into it. Talk to you about the uh, the situations that are going on around the world, situations that are happening in America, which apply to us directly. Um, you know, really interesting things from the Black Lives Matter to Thin Blue Line to Antifa to alt left, alt right. Um, you know, the riots, looting. What's your thoughts on it? Are so you know we got a pretty big podcast laid out here, and I'll just let you take off on it. You know. Um, if you want to go and just jump into like the riots or the looting and tell me what you think, tell me what you, uh, tell me about your experience of the George Floyd incident. Tell me about whenever you first saw it and what your thoughts were, and then what's happened since then. All right. Well, first off, uh, I, I want to point out that I am on the side of the black community. I think that this was a very egregious uh, 
act. Uh, I'm very disheartened by it. Uh, first time I watched the George Floyd video, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just saw it floating around Facebook, figured I'd watch it. Had no idea it was going to turn into what it's become. And, you know, it jumps from the scene where they're walking him across the street where he's handcuffed to the next clip is now he's on the ground with a knee in his neck. And understanding that most of these clips, that they, ended up, they end up hiding a huge portion, yep. which... Um, these guys were, you know, fighting back and forth, trying to get George Floyd in the car, in the cop car. Uh, he didn't want to, so he ended up on the ground. This piece of crap cop ended up putting his knee in his uh, in his neck, and you know, originally I thought, okay, you know, they just got done with the uh, skirmish. He's going to move his knee. You know, he's, he's got the crowd right there talking to him. There's no way this guy is going to be that dumb to do something in front of everybody, especially knowing that he's being recorded. Then a couple minutes go by, and his knee's still there. A couple more minutes go by, his knee's still there. And then you can see Mr. Floyd go out of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that is where my heart just dropped. Yeah. Uh, even if he would have moved his knee and George would have woken up 10 seconds later uh, it's inappropriate inappropriate wrong uh, there's three other cops there and let, let's say that this one cop's adrenaline is just through the roof and he's making a mistake he's got three buddies there to tell him to move his fucking knee yeah and none of them did so Fuck all four of them, as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Uh, you let your partner down, you let yourself down, you let your community down. Um, and it, just very ugly situation across the board. Uh, I'm not happy to see that a lot of these protests are being muddied with riots and looting. Now, Kit, I, I hate to stop you because uh, you're going on a roll and it's it's really good, but I, I also wanted to talk to you real quick. What would you have done if you were one of those officers sitting there? Would you just tap him out and be like, hey, dude, relax, calm down, we got him under control? Also, an interesting perspective is what would you have done if you were a civilian that was standing there on the side? Would you have risked your personal safety and the comfortability of your life to possibly catch a felony charge of touching an officer? So, that, that's a really good question. If I was on duty and this was my guys doing this uh of course it, it's a simple a hey, get your get your knee off his neck put mm -hmm. it in his back uh this guy is handcuffed on his stomach with his hands behind his back he is not a threat mm -hmm. uh, you could argue that he could wiggle around start doing the wwe worm <laughs> but yeah. give me a break uh, this guy's not a threat you can easily control him without your knee in his neck uh so yeah i would have been a fix yourself, mm -hmm. and then if, if any one of them would have done that, our country wouldn't be on fire like it is now. You're right. Um, as a civilian, uh, I listened to your prior podcast where you talked about what you would do. That It's, it's really tough, man. Um, because I think, you know, and again, I spoke on the podcast and I said exactly what I, what I know I would have done. Because you know how I am. Uh, if I have... I have a huge moral compass that pulls me more than uh, ethics does. And so 
I know that for the rest of my life I would have been thinking of that situation and the fact that I did just idly let somebody die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would have weighed more on my conscience than any jail sentence that I would have ever been handed. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to point out that I am a huge supporter of law enforcement. This is one of the reasons why this is such a heartbreaking case for me because I, I do side with law enforcement uh, 90% of the time. Uh, and the, the, this is actually one of the big reasons why he's on the podcast is because we're both law enforcement, but I have a completely different take on law enforcement. He has a different take on the ATF than I do. Um, and. I really wanted to have him on here because he has a different opinion and I think his opinion is fucking awesome. And so I'm just happy to have him here. So it's really cool that we're going to be able to have a different take on it instead of you guys just hearing me or Barrow discussing things. We'll be able to have somebody else that has a different take on life and a different perception. And that doesn't mean he's wrong. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. It just means that he has a different view on it. Yeah, man. I firmly believe that 99% of all law enforcement officers are fantastic people that are doing the job because they want to help people. It's, you know, you got the 1% in every group, doesn't matter what that group is, whether it's the military, law enforcement, lawyers, doctors, mm-hmm. you have your dirtbags in every career field and it's just uh, really sad that four dirtbags got together and here we are. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, and you heard me use this analogy uh, the last time that I, that I had a podcast, or the time before. And I spoke on how Chris Rock has a good saying. He's like, you know, some career fields can't have bad apples. American Airlines can't have bad apples and say, well, some of our pilots like to land, some of them like to crash into mountains, you know, because then nobody's going to be taking American Airlines. And I think that's a really interesting take. What do, you think it, what do you think the disconnect is between the community and police departments? What do you think that's happening here? Is it a lack of pay, lack of education, lack of training, not getting the appropriate people in, multiple different things or all things? I think that is actually a really good summary right there. Everything you listed is a current issue. Law enforcement is an underpaid career field. Uh, it's an undertrained career field. Overworked, undertrained, underpaid. Uh, a lot of police departments, which I can't speak under this specific department's policies, but uh, a lot of them don't do thorough mental evaluations on their candidates when they're going through the application process. Or if they do, it's a simple questionnaire that somebody fills out and can easily alter. Um, I think something that would be extremely beneficial is having a psychiatrist conduct an interview with an applicant. Uh, that way they can interpret where, where that individual is at mentally, how will they handle power, how will, how will they handle situations like this. Um, and that's very difficult, and it's going to cost more money to, to do that. Um, you're talking about every police department having a highly paid psychologist on their team. Yeah, that's a lot um, of money. So there's a lot of variables to it. There's not a quick answer. Uh, because that, that would be a four-hour podcast in and of itself whenever we're talking about the education, the training. Yeah. That's a big um, podcast. You can go on and on with that. Um, so going into the protests, the riots, the looting, uh, I find it very interesting that, the, you know, about the first three or four days after this incident happened, it, it seemed everybody was on the same page. Didn't matter who you talked to, what color they were, what background they had, 
they all felt that these cops had screwed up big time. Yeah. Uh, and then three or four days go by and the media starts taking control of things. They start splitting people apart. Antifa gets involved. Uh, these white nationalists, white uh, supremacist groups get involved. And here we are now, what united us is starting to rip us apart. Mm -hmm. And it's disgusting. I agree. Uh, and there's no money in good times for news companies, for reporters, for Fox News, CNN. There's yeah. no money in peace. You're right. They need something negative in the world going on to get ratings, to get ad funds, to get people watching the news. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, once they get a story like this, they're going to pander to their specific audience, and it's ridiculous. Uh, I went to Fox News' website uh, two days ago, and there was, uh, I, don't, I don't know what you call it, but you're on the home screen, mm -hmm. and there's the rotating pictures. Okay, like a banner? Yeah, banner. Okay. Uh, and it's talking about all the riots. And the caption on one of these banners is talking about uh, how innocent civilians have been killed during the riots. Uh, different police officers have been hurt and, and killed during the riots. And the picture that they have in the background is smiling black people. What does that do to somebody with an ignorant brain? Yeah, absolutely. That's some white racist is going to be out there. Oh, look at them. They're smiling about it. Yeah, they, you're right. They're going to connect the two little dots, and that's exactly what the, these news agencies want to do. They, they want to rile you up. They want to take advantage of your weak mind to get you riled up, to come back to their website. Uh, it, it, and CNN uh, is just as bad, if not worse. You're right. It, it, it's on both sides of the coin. It's... And that's why it's so important that we're doing this podcast is um, I have different views and you have different views. And the problem is, is that we allow other people to speak on our behalf and we allow other people to be angry for us. And then if they get angry, we get angry because we're on the same side. And I'm trying to tear down the walls, tear down the barriers. Now, I may only be able to impact a couple of people and like a very small percentage of the society. But at least whenever I die or something happens to me, I can say that I did the best I could to bring people together to have a good moral and ethical conversation. And that's one thing that media just doesn't do. Mm -hmm. Media lives on dividing us. Uh, you know, because Fox is right wing, CNN is left wing. One of them's telling one story, one of them's telling the other, somebody's lying. Or they're so, both lying. Yeah, you're right. Which is often the case. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the most aggravating issues uh, that to me that's going on in the world today. Where do you go to get information? Yeah, are you asking me? Rhetorical, non-rhetorical, you, can, you yeah. can take the lead on that, but it, it, it's so aggravating to me that somebody is trying, to, everybody's trying to play on my emotions. Yeah. They're assuming that I have no intellectual bone in my body and they're just gonna pander to emotions. Where, where can I go for facts? Yeah, it's challenging. Um, it, it's so frustrating. And if you're left, if you're right, you end up going to... Whatever you cater to and emotionally connect with the most. Yeah. 
lost my train of thought there. Bigger but, of a feud, uh, it happens to me constantly. It's, it's, it's so aggravating to me, that especially with an issue like this, it's so hard to get the facts and without an opinion piece in the middle of this quote-unquote factual article. Mm -hmm. It's a joke, man. And we have an election coming up in November. Yeah. And these are the agencies we have to find information on our future president. Yeah. Whether that's Trump, whether that's Biden, whatever. It, it, it's, it's a joke. You're right. It is. The, uh, it's, it's a funnel. It, that's all it is. Uh, is they're just feeding it to you and it's going the one direction that they want it to go. Um, one thing I, I do want to get into is how do you feel about the uh, Black Lives Matter and the, the, uh, the protesting, the riots, the Antifa and the white supremacists um, during the riots, the looting. Uh, did you also see the article uh, and the video of the supposed cop who was out smashing AutoZone windows and uh, was taking off so there's this video of this, he's this white guy, he's dressed in all black, but he's also wearing chemical masks that the local police department issues. Well, they did like a side-by-side -side of, of like a, a profile of him, and it looks just like him. And he was running up, smashing windows, and then running off. And like, what was taking place was, is if you were breaking in and you weren't peacefully protesting, the police would swoop in, and they would apprehend you. And so it's, it's strange. Like, who's doing it? Is it the police department? Was this a rogue cop? Was the, is this a bigger governmental thing? Is, it, is he a right-wing person, a left-wing person? Is he a white supremacist? Is he Antifa? Um, but one thing that, that's really interesting is this guy was confirmed to be a police officer that works for the local department. They're actively investigating him uh, wow. on this. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, definitely it sounds like propaganda. It does, doesn't it? Uh, but they confirmed that this cop is the same guy in these videos? Yeah, so uh, the police department in the local area released it. They, they do believe it's the same cop in the area, uh, in the video. And uh, I just think that that's just wild. That is wild. Because what's going on? <sighs> Brother, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, me and you both. So what's, what's your thoughts on the looting? So I think the looting is wrong. Uh, so, being from California, uh, I grew up a big Sublime fan. Love Sublime. So, Sublime's got a song titled April 26, 1992, about the Rodney King riots. Mm -hmm. uh, used to be one of my favorite songs. I even did <clears throat> my best art project in high school, which I'm not an artist by any means, uh, was I did a drawing depicting the scene in the song. Okay. Uh, and it talks about all that writing. It talks, uh, it's not about uh, the white man. It's not about the Mexican. It's about, uh, I'm quoting the song yeah, here. Yeah, I got you. And I believe the next line is about the, the fucked up police. Uh, how does that make sense? In my current age, my current state of mind, I can't listen to that song anymore. It frustrates me. Uh, how does that make sense? How does breaking into Target, stealing video games, carry over to police brutality? You're right. No, I agree. You know, I, I received a, uh, again, I, I talked about it at the beginning of the podcast where I said somebody posted on my timeline. Now, me and this guy are really good buddies. Um, we've served together. I'm not going to go mentioning any names because I really respect him. 
But he uh, he posts on my timeline about looting and how I don't seem reputable since I'm talking about how I do support the protesting, um, and it. So I support the pro protesting. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and uh, and how I'm not supporting the law enforcement, and then he ended up messaging me, or I shot him the message, and I told him, hey, you know, to show some respect, don't post my timeline, talk to me on my messenger. And I think that a lot of people are missing the message that I'm getting out. Well, not a lot, but a couple. Because the majority of them are like, dude, we're, we're right there with you. We understand exactly what you're saying. So let me clarify on this. I disagree with the looting. Um, you're already taking an economy that's been crippled by COVID-19, and then you're compacting it with what's going on in, in America right now uh, between businesses burning down and looting taking place. So you're only hurting your own economy. Not only that, but you're hurting people who already agreed with your cause, and now they don't agree with you because now their lives have been adversely affected by it. And so I've never once supported lo looting. Um, I, one thing I did say, though, is I understand the frustration. I understand the anger. Uh, because how long, can you go, how long can you request justice? How long can you keep asking for justice until you just get angry? And so that's why I empathize with the black community is because... What we see as white people is different from what black people see as black people. And it took me a long time to be able to accept that. And I spoke on it on my last podcast is that pride goes into things. Mm -hmm. And whenever I was a young man, and I still am, but about five, six years ago, you know, uh, rioting was going on and, you know, protests were going on and Black Lives Matter was just now becoming a movement. Um, I, I kind of got offended because I was like, well, you know, wouldn't all lives matter? And then I realized that All Lives Matter is a protest against a protest. And you're just trying to incite people. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I also disagree with Black Lives Matter and I disagree with Thin Blue Line. And I disagree with Black Lives Matter and Thin Blue Line based off of nationalism and patriotism beliefs. So I believe that if you get behind something that puts you in a singular lane, then it doesn't allow you to see everything else next to you. Well, and that's where I think, sorry to cut you off, okay, dude. maturity comes in. Yeah. Um, Luckily, there, there's a lot of positivity that has come out of this current situation. You're right. Uh, I see more people talking about the fact that it's okay to have more than one opinion. Opinion. Yeah. It's okay to have conflicting opinions. Uh, it's okay to be a Thin Blue Line supporter and a Black Lives Matter supporter. You're right. Uh, at this point, that's what I consider myself. Mm -hmm. I was the same way. I believe you're talking about the Ferguson riots based off of the timeline. Yeah. Um, 2014? Yeah. Uh, I was the same way. I didn't understand it. Uh, you know, found a little bit of frustration in it. All lives matter. You know, I care for black people. Are, are they saying, is this Black Lives Matter movement saying that white lives don't matter? That's ignorant thinking. Well, and um, I wouldn't say that it's ignorant. Uh, and, and here's why. is because I think that it comes with what you said initially is maturity. is be being able to develop and grow and have these conversations that show you that you're not being ignorant. It's just that you're not educated to the, the actuality of circumstances. So, uh, I mean, I get how that Which can be... Which is the definition of ignorance. I, well, yes, <laughs> but... but you're, you're, I'm, I was taking ignorance such as like you, you're willingly knowing of the other side, but you're choosing to look past it, um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, get, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, ignorance is it, it, it's pretty much only used today in, in a negative light, but ignorance is you're just not knowledgeable on a subject. Yeah, okay. It, it, it's not willful. It's, it could be willful, but it's you just lack knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm ignorant on 
the way that a Mercedes-Benz is put together. Gotcha. Okay. Understood. Yeah, see, I, I was thinking like uh, being willingly ignorant of a situation, but also being privy of act the actuality of the circumstances. Like scientific denial, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so uh, I just wanted to clarify, you know, I disagree with the looting, but I understand People are upset and they're outraged. You know, how yeah, long, I understand too. How long do you have to keep asking for justice and asking for equal rights in this situation before you get upset and you start demanding it? See, uh, I agree. Justice, freedom, liberty should always be demanded. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what this country was built on. Um, it's just not being targeted in the right way, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Funny enough, target being targeted makes no sense. I agree. Uh, the third precinct in Minneapolis. I always have such a hard time pronouncing it. It confused name. me too. But I had to talk to Carolyn uh, and she finally squared it away. It was burnt down during a riot. That at least makes sense. Yeah. I don't condone it. I don't necessarily agree with it. But at least it makes sense. And you're attacking the people that you feel attacked by. Yeah. And in this sense, were attacked by. Mm -hmm. uh, AutoZone, local businesses owned by your own community, your next door neighbor are being attacked. Makes no sense. I it, agree. It does not further your cause. It keeps your neighborhood shitty. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and here's my one thing with this is that in a protesting package, in a rioting package, you have people that prey on innocence. You have people that take advantage of being in these massive groups and then the chances of them getting caught while breaking into a store is much less likely because there's a massive amount of people around them, right? Mm -hmm. And you spoke on the broken window effect earlier. Uh, so if one person starts doing it, they're going to start, th another person is going to start doing it. And um, I think that there's just people out there who are evil and who are going to prey on these situations and take advantage of them. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate because it deludes the entire cause. It deludes the circumstances and your reasoning for things. Um, I get the frustration, but I agree, you know, targets, local businesses, and, you know, the 11 people have been killed by these riots, innocent people who have been trying to protect their businesses. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off. No, you're okay. Uh, I need to stop mentioning Target in this. Okay. Because Target has actually enabled frustrated me a little bit in this scenario. Uh, they made, I believe it was a Twitter post that the CEO of Target came out and said, hey, do what you got to do. We got insurance. Yeah. Um, which, good on you for, you know, siding with the people that were wronged. And, and, but if I were your insurance agency, I, I would deny all claims. Because <laughs> yeah. you're you like inviting it. You literally encourage this to happen. Not only allowed, you encouraged it. Nope, you can go ahead and pay for that out of your own pocket. Yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 you actually made me aware of that situation of and what the uh, CEO of Target said, and so I ended up looking it up that night. Um, and I definitely understand where you're coming from. I don't think he meant for it to sound like that, but it does sound like that. I think he meant to say, I think he, what he was trying to say was, is I do agree with the protesting. I do understand it. Like, instead of that, why don't you show your support by opening your doors and giving away products for free? Yeah. Hey, look, do you need, do you need groceries? Are you hurting from COVID? Well, here, let me help you out. Let me show some support for the community. 
come fill your cart up for free with food. Yeah. How much further would that have gone versus oh, feel free to break stuff and burn stuff and steal stuff? No, absolutely. And insurance will cover cover it. No big deal. Yeah, based off what I saw, you know, that's the wrong message to get across. I don't believe that he intended it to be that way. But, you know, somebody in his position with the intellectual capabilities that he has, you figured he'd be able to word things appropriately. Um, hey, sorry guys, we had to pause the podcast for a moment. Had something that we had to take care of real quick, but uh, yeah, go ahead, take it off, Dave. We're back. All right, <laughs> uh, so luckily, I feel like we touched everything we needed to with Target CEO. Uh, don't really agree with him. Although, you know, I, I do want to emphasize I have tons of empathy for the protesters, for the black community. Um, and to transition into something new, really like to talk about a couple of things that I learned about this week, because I'll be honest, I have been uh, ignorant of the struggles of black people in the current time frame. Because quite honestly, you know, we could easily say right now is the best time for black people in human history. But if you think about it, that really isn't saying much. Yeah, I agree. Um, it should be the best time for humans in any human history. At which, all which, which I believe time. it is. Uh, but <clears throat> I was of the opinion that, uh, you know, if a black person can't make it in today's world, it's their own fault. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've learned recently that there are deeper struggles than what I had realized, mainly the uh, what created the middle class in this country. The biggest part of that is the GI Bill that was given to World War II vets. Okay. Uh, they were able to go to school. That's also when uh, suburbs started popping up across the, the nation. Uh, the automobile had, been, uh, had become much more reliable, so driving 30 minutes into the city to, to go work every day wasn't as much of an issue as it used to be. But what drove all of that growth was the education that the GI Bill provided for vets. Uh, as everybody knows, black people fought just as hard as white people in World War II, mm -hmm. and they were given the GI Bill. However, due to segregation laws, they weren't allowed to attend most colleges. So unless you were a black person that lived close enough to an all-black college, you did not have an education opportunity. And that takes a couple of generations to be re to recover from not only an educational gap, but an economical gap from not being able to make the money that somebody who is educated, it, it, takes, it takes time, you know? And I'm sure that, that takes a couple of generations to be able to dig yourself out of the hole where somebody already has a head start on well, you. Absolutely, and to, and to put it in perspective, World War II ended in 1947? Uh, 45. 45. Yeah. So, some quick public math on that, that's about 75-ish years ago. That's less than the average lifespan of, an, of a male. Yeah, you're right. So, that's one lifetime that this happened in. This isn't, you know, when we think about the oppression of black people, I think uh, a lot of us tend to think that that was so long ago. But it wasn't. No. People are still alive that were born during World War II. You're right. Um, and, and just before those people, we had people alive who were born during slavery. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think people lose sight of that. Slavery was only abolished in 1860. 
Mm-hmm. You know, eighteen thirty-six, I believe. Uh, I, I believe eighteen six. Oh, maybe eighteen thirty-six. Uh, maybe I've I've been saying it wrong. Um, which is absolutely likely. I'm a little bit of an idiot. But uh, <laughs> we both are. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So eighteen thirty-six, eighteen sixty. You know, you had people alive that back then. And mm-hmm. uh, interestingly enough, I. It just didn't even cross my mind that we had people that were living through the segregation period of the 1960s and 1950s, right? And I, we have a, uh, an individual in our VDOC, he's a firefighter, and his dad was down there protesting in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, before he was born, obviously, um, was down there protesting for black rights with Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there whenever uh, Martin Luther King's house got blown up. You know, so it's just... Because we just see things so differently and we don't correlate time in the appropriate manner it should be like looked at that we think things happened forever ago when they just happened just a couple decades ago. Yeah, and on top of not being able to use their GI Bill, uh, red line housing laws were passed to where development and home loans for black people in these redlined housing districts weren't afforded to them. So can you speak a little bit on that? Because I don't know much about that. So forgive me, I, I don't have the information right in front of me. I can't tell you what politician it was that created uh, redlining, but Google redlining, uh, down and dirty of it is politicians pulled up housing maps, drew a red line around certain neighborhoods, and these were predominantly black neighborhoods. And within those neighborhoods, development was much harder to get approved uh, small business loans even if you were white to get a small business loan in those neighborhoods were very hard to come by and it was in, damn near impossible for a black person to get a home loan in these neighborhoods so the oppression of, of the black community was so great that the the black middle class is 50 years behind the white middle class. Interesting. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. I hadn't thought about that. So essentially what we're dealing with is that black people that are at the low class in 50 years will be the black middle class in, um, some, in some form. You can word it like that. Um, maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm not catching it. I, I, th- I, I hope that it won't take so long for the black community to catch up. Um, I don't think it will. I think a lot of people are waking up and realizing, hey, look, you know, black people have gotten the short straw You're right. for the past few hundred years. Um, and it, it isn't over. It's much better than it's ever been, but it's not over. You're right. Um, and I, I just think that it's something that you need to maintain that perspective and realize that they really got dealt a crappy hand. Yeah. Uh, and it's because of oppression that mainly white people throughout the world put on. Uh, I would like to address that England and America abolished, abolished slavery within two years of each other. Yeah. Uh, America is not the only country to have black slaves. Uh, it's pretty much every developed country during the time period had slaves. Yeah. And I think that we're. Even though we live in the most technologically advanced age in human history, we are also in one of the most challenging ages in human history because we're able to look back, we're able to self-reflect and view ourselves as a nation and say, 
well, hopefully we never return back to this point, but what are we going to do about the atrocities that took place? Mm -hmm. And by, it, it, does that make sense to you? So what I'm saying is, is that we're smart enough now to be able to look back, but we're so smart still that we're trying to figure out how to fix the past that we created, but was just normal back then. That, and it's inc becoming increasingly difficult to find legitimate information that doesn't have some sort of agenda attached to it. And, and it, that is despicable. Um, yeah. Trying to catch back up on my train of thought here. No, you're okay. Uh, I, I can at least say for me that George Floyd did not die in vain. I have be, become much more educated on the matter. I think millions of Americans across the board have become much more educated. And in that way, we are celebrating his life and creating a legacy for Mr. Floyd. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think a lot of beautiful things have come out of this. The conversation we're having now, conversations that we've had in the past week or so. They've um, been powerful because it's not something that we've usually seen. It's not something that, that even though we thought about it, we weren't able to think about it as deeply as we are now. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh, just real quick, what do you think about the, uh, the Air Force? What do you think about the Chiefs? Uh, and uh, General Goldfein coming out on that. I, I thought that was really interesting. I think they're doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think some better verbiage could have been used, uh, but uh, I think a lot of my disdain is much too strong of a word, but uh, problem issue with some of the statements that have come out is there's a lot of verbiage against white police officers and as a human being it it's very easy to immediately jump to a de defensive posture but hey i'm a fucking white officer i'm a white officer and i would never do something like that i have no views against any race creed religion mm -hmm. in that format so it, it, there's that aspect that feels like an attack on me but i, I need to swallow some pride and realize hey look white cops have killed some black people in some very ugly ways. You're right. And I need to sit down, shut the fuck up, let some other people talk for a second, and let other voices be heard and educate myself. Yeah, and, and that goes back to the pride. Is like, I, I understand where you're coming from. You know, because we're, unfortunately in, in society, we associate race with a lot of things. So whenever you hear your race brought up, it piques your curiosity because you're curious if it's going to be something true, be something false, offensive, or just a lie. And whenever that was brought up, I wasn't upset, but I was. De it definitely made me wonder why he was taking it there. And then I realized, well, he's not talking about me and you. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about the good, hardworking people that make good ethical and moral decisions on the job. He's talking about racists. He's talking about people who judge people based off the color of their skin who automatically assume somebody is something that they aren't because of who they are. Um, and that took me, it, it took me a little bit to, to realize that. And also, this is completely unexplored territory for the military to be making statements like this. Yeah, it is. And so I believe that things are going to be said that are passionate, but possibly inappropriate, that are going to upset people, 
but they're going to encourage you to think. And we need and, to realize that that's okay. And that is okay. You know, and we live in a society where you constantly criticize and you want to be offended and you get upset over the littlest things, but we're not allowing free thought because yes. free thought is unfiltered. Free thought is offensive because it's something that somebody just speaking out of passion, and I understand that. And I, truthfully, I respect Goldfein, General Goldfein. I respect um, Chief, you know, Chief Wright. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that they came out, they put their foot down and said, hey, this is bullshit, and this is where I stand, this is where I am. I really appreciated General Goldfein where he was like, I'm a white guy. I don't understand what it is that Chief Wright's talking about. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated Chief Wright where he was like, I don't expect for you to understand, but now I expect for you to learn. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big deal. You know, um, and I'm just really really proud to be in the Air Force in this moment in time. Yeah, I have the utmost respect for Chief Wright. Uh, he's nicknamed Enlisted Jesus, Jesus yeah. uh, because he's so beloved by the Air Force. Uh, he's done so many great things. He's gotten rid of so many terrible programs that were detrimental to the success of the Air Force. Uh, so I'm, I'm really glad to have him. I hope, you know, I wish he could stick around longer. Yeah. But I, unfortunately, I think his time in that position is coming to an end here pretty soon. Maybe they'll have him stick around. I don't know. It's unprecedented. As a civilian advisor of some sort. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but I have the utmost respect for him. I was lucky enough to uh, listen to him speak in public. And, you know, for the first 30 minutes he, that he's taking questions from the audience, you know, all military Air Force members, uh, all these questions are more along the lines of a complaint. And he's answering the questions to the best of his ability. And I can tell that, you know, he's pausing and he's putting thought into his response. Uh, and then he finally gets fed up with it. Sorry, I've got to dip in. So if you hear me pausing... That's uh, me and my filthy habit. i got to spit into a bottle here. Dude, if we can <clears throat> smoke weed and get away with it, it was now a good part of the military and we were allowed to do it, we'd be doing it right now. So If we would, we could. If we could, we would. If we would, we could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and that, I wanted to touch on that. How many times have I stuttered in, on this podcast? How many times have I misspoke on this podcast? We can't expect people in leadership positions to use perfect verbiage that doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. Like, no, words need to hurt some feelings sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this country was founded on getting rid of that kind of thought process where I'm in control, you listen to what I have to say, and the, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, we have to allow people to speak their minds, whether that you know, contradicts your personal beliefs. We have to let them speak freely. It, it's the First Amendment for a reason. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, and I really do appreciate Chief um, Sam when he said I appreciate General Goldfein. Um, I believe that they shot they they uh, shine the appropriate light on an issue that really a lot of us don't think of if we're not dealing with it or not the the appropriate race that it applies to. But yeah, going uh, back, and, sorry, yeah, no, no, you're going sorry. back to what I was saying about Chief Wright speaking in public. You know, you've got people complaining about nonsensical issues to the highest ranking enlisted member in the Air Force for 30 minutes. And he finally says, I don't want to hear any more complaints. I want to hear solutions. Tell me, tell me your problem and your idea to fix it. Don't rely on me. I can't fix your shop. I can't fix your flight. 
your small team of individuals, you need to step up. That depends on the individual and the dynamic of that team. And, Something and, has to change. You know, I, I found it, he, he wasn't coddling people. He wants to help. He wants to be there for everyone, but he also wants individuals to take individual responsibility. And that's the appropriate thing that any leader in any position, especially that he's in, should be expecting from his members. Mm -hmm. It's what we expect from our airmen. It's what we expect from NCOs. It's what we expect from senior NCOs. It, enlisted officer doesn't matter. Self-thought. Self-solution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else, man? Dude, okay, so have you heard about these bricks getting laid out across these highways? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so, I don't know how much you're going to like this, but I'm going to be blatantly honest with no. you guys here. We've restarted this podcast uh, because this is my first time. Drake's popping my cherry here. Um, <laughs> and I was fumbling a little bit, and I still am, in case you haven't noticed. He's killing it. Um, so, we, it's hard for me to remember what's already been discussed on if this, any of them have a this problem, new version. If any of them have a problem with it, fuck them. Okay, <laughs> well, so, that easy. Don't want to go that far. No, I, I yeah. am. If they can't respect the fact that somebody's first time on here and uh, and stuttering and mistakes are going to happen, whatever, go somewhere else. We're not a perfect <clears throat> podcast. But it, it's incredible to see that both left-wing organizations like Antifa and right-wing organizations, uh, so I, I don't, I can't recall any of the names of these organi organizations for these far-right uh, guys that are going out there and contributing to the looting and rioting. But Antifa and these white supremacist groups are essentially filling the same role. They are. Uh, just trying to put a different spin on things. You know, I, I've said this for years whenever it comes to the alt-left and the alt-right. Is people tend to, uh, tend to view the alt-left and the alt-right or whatever your political sphere is as a line. And they view it either left-wing, right-wing, and then, you know, libertarians are about in the middle and conservatives are a little to the right, you know. So they view it as a line. Well... I connect the line and it creates a circle and you tend to find that the left-wing and the right-wing people at the end of the day, the alt-right and alt-left, they have the exact same agenda. Uh, it's just they have a different way of going about it. And sometimes, like now, they have the same way of going about it, but it all comes to the same ending. The end of a government, the end of a great reign, and there is a fundamental issue there. And uh, it, it is interesting that we're seeing these white supremacist groups that are coming out, they're smashing these windows, uh, then they're leaving, and then the black community is the one who has to take the blame for it. They're the one who's taking the fall on it. And then Antifa. I saw a video where a guy, he was going around paying these young, uh, these young black kids uh, in this pretty impoverished area, um, just paying them cash. Hey, grab some pallets of wood, lay it in the middle of the street, light it on fire. Then you'd run off and you'd get some more, do the same thing. And... That's what I'm saying. Is well, it goes into the broken window theory. And that's what these guys are taking advantage of, is uh, broken window theory, in case you're, you're not familiar with it. If you see a broken window, uh, or somebody smash a, a window, it makes it much easier for you to go break a second window. Mm -hmm. uh, so these guys are, are going out there starting violence and encouraging other people to pick up what they started. Yeah. Uh, they're having pallets of bricks shipped into to cities, and they, they throw a few, and then next thing you know, the entire crowd's throwing a few. Yeah, and then it's gone. Uh, and and it, it's disgusting. 
you've got Antifa doing it because they want to burn down the right-wing establishment and leftists view uh, pro-law enforcement individuals, they pro, uh, view law enforcement as a whole as a right-wing entity. And then you've got these white supremacists out there that want to <coughs> rally up other white supremacists and look at what these black people are doing. They're burning our cities. Yeah. Like it, it, it's all idiocy and it's all corrupt. It's all negative. And I'm sick and tired of seeing negativity. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, I agree. Because there's a lot of good things that are coming out from these protests. There are. And one thing I would like to talk to you about is, do you believe that, the, in your opinion, that the government and law enforcement community is radicalizing individuals who are peacefully protesting, and then they're getting hit with tear gas, or they're getting hit with, uh, with rubber bullets just because they're occupying a street? Do you feel like that... If they're going about it the appropriate way, and we just saw it here in our own city the other day, peaceful protests were taking place, and then the mayor ends up locking down the city and putting a curfew. 6 a.m., 6 p.m., you have to be home uh, after that time, right? I do want to point out that they still allowed peaceful protests during the curfew hours. Exactly. They just wanted why everybody that wasn't protesting off the streets. Why? You know, I haven't been able to speak with the mayor, so I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But at least they still allowed protests to, to continue. Because that, that would have been really wrong. You're right. Um, but ultimately it was unconstitutional to do. Well, you can't, you can't try to safeguard a community that safeguarded itself by doing the appropriate actions that the Constitution allows them to take. Well, that, you know, that goes to the founding father argument is if you're willing to trade liberty for safety, you exactly. won't have either. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. It, it can go into so many different things. Well, uh, in your as far opinion, as the, the radicalizing of yeah. protesters, it's such a difficult scenario. Um, you recently posted something on social media. Yeah. Uh, and this pissed a couple people off. Where a guy is, I, I believe this was in Texas, where uh, protesters were ma marching down a bridge on a freeway. Mm -hmm. And they shut down this bridge by marching on it, and then cops, using tactical savviness, approached the bridge at both sides and arrested all these members. Uh, I believe your stance is on that you disagree with law enforcement in this scenario. I do, yeah. Whereas I agree with law enforcement in mm -hmm. this scenario. I figured you would. <clears throat> to go and shut down a public freeway by walking across it is dumb. I'm, my inclined, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, it's illegal for a reason. It's a huge safety issue. Mm -hmm. Imagine one person driving while talking on their cell phone, and they accidentally plow into a crowd, killing 20 people. You're right, but what what I'd like to stick to is is the actuality of the circumstances <clears throat> that took place on the bridge. So that nobody was talking or texting on their cell phone and ended up causing deaths. They did have a good protest until the cops became involved. And the cops then incited them out of violence. And I'm saying I understand it's an absolute inconvenience and it is illegal to be occupying a road like that. But to come out and to tear gas people who are occupying the road, allow them to peacefully protest, go on their way. Because the Constitution doesn't say you, can't peacefully pro you can only peacefully protest in areas that aren't public roads. You know what I mean? So I, is it inappropriate for, the, for protesters to do that? No. But... It's more inappropriate for cops to use non-lethal force on well, individuals occupying the bridge. So I'm not as educated on this specific scenario as I'd like to be for this conversation. No, it's okay. But 
I highly doubt that they just showed up and instantly started shooting tear gas at these people. You're right. They didn't. They didn't. Um, there was verbal arguments. There was discussion. Where I'm sure there was food resistance. Remove the passive and aggressive yeah. resistance. And what's better, you know, uh, getting into a physical art alter altercation or shooting some tear gas that is just going to make you uncomfortable for a few minutes. We've both been through the gas chamber mm -hmm. during basic training. It sucks. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the same stuff that yeah, they're essentially exactly. using for uh, riot control. You know, it, it, it definitely sucks. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Never want to do that again. But uh, it, it's so difficult because what? where do you draw the line? Where do I personally draw the line? Where, where does law enforcement draw the line? No, absolutely. You know, um, and we live in a really challenging time where it's very easy to be overcritical of law enforcement. So uh, the, the main reason why I posted that message uh, on my Facebook is because I felt like the guy's message, irregardless of the situation, was more powerful than the circumstances that he was in. Because I believe that it does show an overreaching government and it does apply to multiple different places where there are peaceful protests that are taking place. Take the 75-year-old man who was pushed down by the cops, cracked the back of his head open, sort of bleeding out of his ears and went into critical condition. You know, I had people on there who were trying to defend him, people who I respect, and it's just such a bizarre thing is people who I respect who I would think would take logical action and say, yeah, you're right, it is wrong, but since they're cops or they have family members who are cops, they just blindly think that that's acceptable. Um, did you see that video? And we'll get back to the bridge subject in a moment. I just wanted to ask you, did you see that video? Of the 75-year-old man, uh, he was uh, peacefully protesting, was no violence. The cops started clearing him out, um, and he started to walk up to a cop. He was trying, mm -hmm. attempting to show him something on the phone. White guy. Yeah, white guy. Shoved him. Fell over, cracked the back of his head, started bleeding out of his ears, and is in critical condition. So th this is this is where it gets difficult. Yeah, um, and we can debate this all day long. Everybody can. Where does law enforcement draw the line? Because it's their job to quell disturbances. It's their job to protect their community, uh, and. When they're trying to clear out an area and somebody's being defiant and they're walking towards the police line that's actively clearing out this area, what do you do? You want to know what I would personally do? My personal opinion? Um, so absolutely, uh, I agree that if there was a violent protest taking place to apprehend that individual. I, I believe common sense should take place before all things, almost always, right? You have a 75-year-old man, you can look at him in the video, and you can tell he's elderly, right? He's out there because he's still an American. He's alive, he's going to be able to protest and give, give his opinions and what's wrong and what's right because that's the American way. And what happens is they push him with their nightstick, he falls right over, hits the back of his head. What I would have done is simply this. Had there been a violent disturbance, and that's an important part of this because there was not a violent disturbance at this location, um, what I would have done is I simply would have grabbed him, moved him to the behind me because they had a line of officers, yeah, which is a normal tactic, and I would have had them apprehend them, which is usually what the second line is for. So we both have riot control training due to our positions in the military. Yeah. Uh, that is the acceptable tactic for that scenario. Um, I, I don't condone the actions of, of that officer. Yeah. Uh, I think it definitely could have been handled better. I also, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's more that the video is not showing uh, 
as in there's only in that video you can only see behind the the white elderly male yeah about 20 feet mm -hmm. is is there a large crowd there is back? there is yeah there, so, there is a crowd of individuals but where i'm saying so, is is that it was unconstitutional for the police to use violence against peaceful protesters in a location that they're allowed to peacefully protest that's what I'm saying. Why would the why would you put yourself in a position of pushing an elderly man over? And at the end of the day, even if it was violent, look, I'd rather take a couple of licks from an old man than giving him essentially a death sentence uh, over walking up on me. And that's my personal opinion. You're you're making valid points, um, and my tendency to support law enforcement is showing up here. No, that's fine. Um, this is what you're on. I, I I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, the video. I've only seen it once. I haven't studied it or anything, and I, I saw it days ago, so I don't remember all the details. Um, you know, there, there's no idea. I, I don't know what this white male was saying. I don't know what he was doing. I can't recall if he tried to push the officer. I, I don't know. Um, so so I, I can actually tell you, he, he brought his phone over and did touch the officer on the right's arm, and then the officer in front of him pushed him. Now, I'm not saying that that's appropriate for him to ever touch an officer, but... If they are peacefully protesting, then you crossed a boundary. You crossed a constitutional boundary by interfering with that peaceful protest. Why would you interfere with that, is what I'm saying. You know, because people were like, well, he touched the officer. Well, it has to do with what were the actions prior, right? So was there violence? The answer is no, because there was no violence at that intersection. There was no violence that was taking place. Was there violence the before the video started re recording? Yeah, absolutely. And that's important because here's the thing. You know that you know how I am. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And if I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm wrong and you prove me wrong, I have no issue owning up to that. I'm just I'm not smart enough on this particular situation to where I really want to take a stance either way. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Um, there's, there's too many variables, and I think... Lots of unknown. Uh, there's a lot of people that will quickly come to an opinion without all the facts. Okay. And that is respond like those actions are responsible for a lot of mistakes in this country. Um, you can't just jump to conclusions. I agree. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I, I hope that you don't take it as as I was jumping to conclusions whenever I saw the video. It took no. Me I, I assume that you're much more educated on it. You did. You've obviously done more research on that video than I have. Yeah. So, um, and I just don't want you to think that like I'm single, like I'm single-minded one lane as far as like just because it was law enforcement involved, I would still be upset if it was rioters who did it. Mm -hmm. Like you know, there's like that that police captain who got beat to death, um, retired police captain. You know that's fucking awful. The man in Dallas who got beat to death, just for defending the shop. Yep. You know it's it's fucking sad. You know, you have these hard-working people who have their lives taken away over something stupid. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, we live in some fucking crazy-ass times, dude. Yeah, we do. This has been a hell of a year. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Have you seen the uh, the memes on Facebook where it's like, what's planned for June, July, August? June's like yeah. Yellowstone's erupting, July's alien invasion. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. It, it, so I'm a big fan of the Drinking Bros podcast, and now the, uh, yeah, the Free Range American podcast, which is you know the Black Rifle Coffee uh, Company guys. Uh, Jared Taylor, who's one of the founding members of BRCC, he uh, posted a funny theory on COVID and all that. Basically, uh, Trump's getting us a spaceship. 
Hell yeah. No. <laughs> that uh We're deucing out. <laughs> that on uh his first day in office he's like walks into the Oval Office, sits down, slaps his hands on the table. I wanna know about the aliens. <laughs> That's and then awesome. he gets his brief and he's like, All right, get him on the phone. What do I gotta do for a spaceship? <laughs> uh, and then come to find out that these aliens uh find CO two emitted from human bodies is is very toxic to them. Okay. Uh, so Trump negotiates. All right, if you give us a spaceship, we'll let you come here. What do you need from us? Oh, you know, certain minerals in the Earth's core that they're they're uh, real interested in. And then uh, so all right, we'll we'll let you come drill out whatever miner- minerals you need. That's your technology is way more than, uh, advanced than ours. We can't use that mineral. Uh, we won't have that technology for a thousand years. So yeah, go ahead, take some, and here's what we'll do. We'll have everybody hanging out in their homes, and those that have to be out and about, we'll have them wear masks. Uh-huh. That way, you know, we avoid the CO2 situation. Does that make you comfortable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we might be getting a spaceship here in October. So big old Donnie T's out there getting us a spaceship. And this, is, this has all just been a dry run. Hell yeah. <laughs> Dude. Nobody take that too seriously and go read uh, those guys, Jared Taylor's uh, post on that. It's much funnier than what I just said. Those guys have a great imagination. Have you seen some of their, I'm sure you have some of their other stuff. So funny. Yeah, I'm a big fan of those guys. I'm a big fan of uh, Drinking Bros as a whole. You like Matt Best? I do. I ever tell you about, uh, and this is about five, this is probably six years ago. How he, I told you how he was having a July, or a, uh, yeah, it was a July 4th get together. And he sent, it was before you, like, really blown up. And he sent out a message. He was like, hey, uh, every veteran's invited, uh, Golden Families, whatever. Well, I ended up reaching out and getting a hold of him. And I was like, hey, man, you know, if you guys need anything, I'd love to send you guys some money to help with food or catering. You know, you know 100 bucks or something, nothing crazy. And not expecting a reply. Shit you not. Five minutes, he texted me or messaged me back in Messenger. It's like, hey, we're good, dude. We'd love to have you. Sorry you can't come um, because I... I sent my first message that I unfortunately couldn't make it but had an opportunity it was really neat really cool oh, yeah. uh, really good guy really humble did you actually end up re- you, you read his book didn't yeah. you did you like it I did I liked it a lot yeah uh, you know I don't read as much as I should and most of the time when I pick up a book it takes me a month or mm-hmm. so to, to read one I read his in three days really I, it, I just found it you know, I remember when that interesting ordered. Oh, and I, I really appreciate when a book has uh, common language, you know, speech patterns in it, mm-hmm. where you're reading a book and it feels like you're reading you know, somebody that's just speaking plainly versus just you pick up some of these books and they're trying to use $10 words to impress people. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I do, I've, I've been thinking about picking up uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I've become a real big uh, fan of his, and I believe he's got a book called Astrophysics for uh, People in a Hurry. And I, I really want to pick that book up. Have you ever seen his uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson on uh, Joe Rogan? Yeah, loved yeah. that. Uh, you, I think he's been on there two or three times. Yeah, Every he, time he's on there, it blows me away. Yeah, he's a killer. Yeah. That dude is so fucking smart, it's unreal. It, it, it's so rare to find somebody with that level of intelligence that is able to speak to a normal person in the way that he does yeah uh it's it's incredible he's able to relate to people he's able to use common language to express very very complicated ideas and theories um you know he breaks it down to where 
a chimp like me can understand. Yeah. So we're all just dumbass monkeys, man. So really cool, really cool dude. I've become a real big fan of Elon Musk lately too. Yeah. What do you think about the SpaceX? It, awesome. Insane, right? Yeah. Dude, crazy. So stoked for him. Did you see him load up in the Tesla and take off down the road? No, I didn't see that. Unfortunately, uh, I was watching the when they were supposed to originally launch, uh, and then the they were launching uh, two or three days later. And I forget what I was doing, but I was uh, doing some maintenance around the house or something. The wife got to watch it though. Very cool. Yeah, I mean that's a huge event. A private a private company working with NASA. You know, it's the first of its kind. Yeah, and it's it's huge and. Something that you know, so many people realize is the private sector is so much better at uh, doing big projects like this. They're so much better at advancing technology. Um, so it only makes sense that we should be reaching out to, to the private sector. I mean, it's not the Air Force building the F-35. It's, it's Lockheed Martin. Yeah. Yeah, um, I've always thought that the private sector is way more ahead than what people give them credit for. Mm -hmm. So I have a buddy, uh, I'm not going to announce his name or anything, but I have a friend who works for Google, and he said a couple of things, like he's not gone into any detail, but he said that some of the things he's working on are just mind-boggling, like yeah. just unreal. I've got a cousin that works for Facebook, um, and he, at the last time I spoke with his dad, I haven't spoken with him in quite some time, but I spoke to his dad a little while ago, and he was in charge of the events page event page system for Facebook. Really? Which is their, other than the, the primary homepage, home feed, the events page is the largest bracket of Facebook. Uh, and his hobby and I believe his new path with Facebook is artificial intelligence. And just as a, a side fun home project, uh, you know the game Galactica? Yeah. A uh, little spaceship that flies around, shoots the little alien craft, and has to fly around yeah. in old school eighties arcade Badass game. game. Uh, so he built an AI program that rewarded the computer for not dying. And it's insane whenever you think about how do you reward a computer. And that was my first question. Yeah. And it's just in the code. This is good. Dying's bad. Really. So and after it died, you know, the first time in a few seconds, learned made it a couple of minutes, learned, and the last that I had heard about it, the game had been running non-stop on one life for over a month. Really? Yeah. That is insane. So, uh, pretty crazy. Uh, wild that my cousin is doing that. It's crazy. And I, you know, I haven't face-to-face -face spoken with him in a probably eight plus years. Really? But I spoke to his dad and two years ago about all this. So who knows what he's doing now? And that was just a fun side project for him. That's badass. You know, am I good enough with AI to make this happen? That's so cool. They have a couple of these YouTubers that go out here and they make like quick little AI systems for small little video games, like how to do things. And it, it's super interesting. AI, it's definitely the future of technology. Which is scary. And it is, absolutely. Elon Musk is even, Against he's it. terrified. Absolutely. And, and I have just a very basic understanding of AI. You know, Elon Musk is just such a smart guy, uh, which hopefully one day he listens to the podcast. Congratulations on your kid. Uh, that's a pretty awesome name that you gave him. Uh, <laughs> but um, Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but so, there was a meme floating around on Facebook because the child's name is some AXAE12? Yeah, uh -huh. but 
that if you broke that down Kyle. into elements of the periodic table and other stuff, it came out to be Kyle. That's funny. Yeah, it's a lot of effort to name your kid Kyle. Yeah, but what I was saying was, is this guy, this guy, if he's afraid of AI, then I'd say that a normal human being has a has Ooh, yeah. should be afraid of AI. I mean, it's interesting to explore, but I mean, we're talking like Terminator, Matrix type shit going on, where machines mm-hmm. turn against you. Um, but we just had, I'd say, we, just like we do anything else in the world, we just have to be cautious. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that, that's where the biggest error is going to come in is you know, there's going to be an aspect of line of coding that a human being doesn't think about or consider, and that's where things are going to get ugly. But and to tie back into current events, you know, just an aspect of not thinking about not thinking about a single singular aspect of should I have my knee on the neck yeah can set the world on fire you're right that's really interesting to look at so you, essentially what you're saying is is that somebody who's out there coding one day can enter in just the simplest code not think anything of it but end up causing a massive ripple effect in theory yeah yeah no that's definitely interesting I hadn't thought of it that way no. um, Real quick, I wanted to go and get on to something. Uh, you, you talked to me about it offline before we, uh, we were on the podcast. You talked to me about it a couple weeks ago. I had a podcast where I was talking about no-knock rates mm-hmm. and the ATF, um, and I really want to have you on here to speak on that. Would you, would you be willing to go and give your opinion on, what you, on no-knock rates and, and what you disagree with me on? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you spoke out on a previous podcast that you were entirely against no-knock no rates. Uh, I believe that they have a purpose. I'm definitely against them on a day-to-day basis, but there are some high-level criminals in the country that are extremely violent, Mm -hmm. have incredible amounts of resources, are constantly moving from place to place so that it's hard to track them and pinpoint them down. So if you have a high-level criminal that has shown a provocation to be violent towards law enforcement, and, oh, guys, we found him. This is his address. He's here now. We have no idea how long he's going to be here. We need to move. All right, let, let's, let's do it. Let's go kick some doors down. Uh, that's where I find it being legitimate. Uh, we do have cartel members living throughout the U.S. Mm-hmm. We do have Russian spies living throughout the U.S., and that, that might sound crazy to some people. But it's the but truth. It, America has spies in every country. Yeah, if, you, if you think so. otherwise, grow up. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the way it works. So, yeah, if you get your hands on a high-level, highly violent criminal, and yeah, a no-knock warrant makes a lot of sense to me. You know, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, I'm, I'm pretty analytical, but I didn't think of it from that perspective. Because, unfortunately, we don't see it used in that perspective very often. Yeah, you know, like take El Chapo, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that was whenever it was used, and I really agreed with it, but whenever I was talking on the podcast, I didn't think of that. And the problem was, is that I had somebody there who agreed with me for the most part on what it was that I was saying, so I didn't have anybody to combat me, and so I could expand my thought on it. Well, especially in a format like this, where we're going off on a conversation, it's very difficult when you get on the train of thought to make sure that you're covering all your bases. It's so challenging. I don't think, and that's something that I'd really like to be able to relate with the viewers on, is sometimes it seems like we skip around or we're not really concise or maybe we're just saying one side of the story. 
sometimes, and it usually happens almost every podcast, I forget to mention things because I'm focused so much on getting the information in front of me out there that I forget to view it from the other angle. And that's why I wanted Jake on here because I know you view things from a different angle. You view things from another perspective. And that's the point of the podcast. I wanted to bring people together who don't view things like me. Well, that's the point of conversation, man. Boom. What are we if all we do is live in our own personal bubble? You're right. And that's why I'm sure people will notice I've backtracked and jumped around a few times on this podcast is because I want to ensure, make sure that I'm getting all aspects of my point across. Mm-hmm. I, my love for law enforcement, my disdain for bad cops. I love law enforcement, hate bad cops. Uh, I love the black community. I love the fact that peaceful protests are going on hate the fact that certain individuals are taking advantage of the situation and doing something ugly. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to just go ahead and clarify uh, on the no-knock stuff. You definitely, just in that small amount of time of what you explained between, you know, there are violent criminals out there who do take advantage of situations. You know, I believe that in the appropriate Used appropriately, it could definitely be beneficial, but right now what we're seeing is, is it not used in a good way? You look yeah. at Rihanna Taylor, for Your example. Your example, going to the wrong house and killing innocent people. Dude, that's and crazy. all they hear is somebody breaking into their house, not announcing that they're law enforcement, so what do you do? You grab your gun and defend your house like a goddamn American. Yeah. Uh, it And that's, it's such an ugly scenario as well, and people need to be held accountable for that, specifically law enforcement leadership yes uh, the fact that the, uh, the address wasn't confirmed the fact that we have recon marines their specific job is to go perform reconnaissance on an area before it's attacked mm-hmm. why are we not using similar methods when it comes to no knock warrants you're right it, it's, it's asinine yeah go confirm go put a van out there while you're getting your SWAT team together while you're doing this that this and that Go put an unmarked vehicle out there, get some binoculars, and make sure, hey, this is the right guy. Yeah. How you, easy is that? You took somebody's life that had a future, that was trying to build a family, that worked two jobs, had a degree, was an EMT, and you just took it away. All over you not checking your bases, you not being held accountable. And you know, and that's where I become passionate and I become very upset whenever I think about law enforcement. It's like, fuck. How how can I support that? There's no accountability for those guys. Those guys haven't been brought into jail. No charge has been filed against any officers in that case. And so that's why it upsets me because it feels as though that they're above the law, and that's what makes me mad. Well, and, and, and that's a, a judicial punishment in a scenario like that is, is so difficult within itself uh, because officers on the scene, did they make a mistake? No. They were getting fired upon. They yeah. thought they were entering a highly dangerous criminal's house, and they're being shot at by this highly dangerous criminal. I covered that in and the podcast where I spoke on it. They have to live with the fact that they killed an innocent man, but it wasn't their fault. Uh, the an innocent woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. But, You're okay. You know, it, it's not their fault. It's whoever did the legwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you do at that point? You know, a clerical error could be responsible for, for this. Dyslexia could be the issue for this. Yeah. You know, house number 351 Oleander Street or house 315 Oleander Street. Yeah. It could have been that small. It could have been. And do you send somebody to jail for the rest of their life for a mistake like that? 
it, it's and I'm not saying it's just no one way or the other. It you know all avenues need to be explored, all data needs to be analyzed, and to, you got you got to make a decision, and hopefully it's the right one. Absolutely, that's a really interesting point. Is where do you hold somebody accountable? You know. Um, that's challenging because if you heard me speak on it on the uh, the podcast that I spoke on it on, I didn't even know if you should hold the officer accountable because I said exactly what you said. He thought that he was in the right building mm-hmm. he, because really the driver is usually who's responsible for that or the vehicle commander. This is the location. They roll up on it and then they do their job, right? So he's just barreling out of the vehicle thinking that he's on the target's house kicks in the door, he's fired upon, not thinking that it's somebody who isn't supposed to be there. Or, or he's not even thinking that he's at the wrong house. He's thinking 100% my leadership is right, this is where it's at, you know? Yeah, he's worried about getting shot. He's worried about getting back to his family. So I think that the punishment enough for, for that individual, whether it was a man or a woman, um, I think the punishment enough is that they took someone's life. And unfortunately, I don't, it sucks to say it's a punishment. Because, yeah, because they, don't it, they, didn't, they don't deserve a punishment. Um, definitely somebody at, in the chain of command does, though. At the, at the very least, whoever's in charge of that operation, you're fired. And but what pisses me off is... At the very least. I agree, yeah. 100%. Uh, there was two other things that pissed me off about this situation. One, they went ahead and charged the man with uh, attempted murder, right, on the officers, right? Sent him to jail. COVID-19 happened, they got him out of jail and decided to drop all charges. Why would you take him to jail in the first place? I think that's... What's your thought on that? I think, obviously, you know, we're playing Monday... Monday night quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Armchair expert, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Dak Shepard, another great podcast. Um, But we weren't there. I'm assuming it was a heat of the moment decision. Mm -hmm. Uh... They got into a shootout. Maybe they had an accurate description of the people inside the house. Maybe they didn't. Maybe this guy met the description. You know, we don't. We don't know. I don't. I don't right. have those details. So, but the fact that they realized their mistake and fixed it. Yeah. It, it's that's, that's, really crappy that it went down like that. Don't get me wrong, but hey, at least something happened. Yeah. Uh, and th- and that's important. Um, and he should be given $10 million plus yeah. like his wife was just murdered by the cops. You're right. And that's because of a that, stupid mistake. You're right. So yeah, he d- deserves to be compensated in some format. So we actually got on this topic the other day. We were talking about the Insurrection Act of 1807. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts if that gets enacted? Because it's essentially martial law at that point. Yeah, real quick for uh, people listening in case they don't know, Insurrection Act, uh, allows the president to activate active duty federal military to perform in a law enforcement role like we see the National Guard doing now. Uh, Again, if you don't know, National Guard falls under the state governor. The Mm -hmm. state governor is the commander in chief for their state's National Guard, whereas active duty military falls underneath the president. our country does not believe in martial law. That's why we have the Posse Comitatus Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Insurrection Act uh, allows the president to activate active duty military in these roles during uh, states of emergency. Uh, 
What are your thoughts on that? Like, let's say things were to get crazy enough. Do, do you agree with it to any extent? Do you think there should be certain limitations? To an extent, absolutely. Um, and this, this act has been invoked, uh, I think, at least 10 times in our nation's history. Yeah. Uh, most notably, it was enacted during the Rodney King, Rodney King riots. Mm -hmm. So very similar situation here to 1992. But I absolutely think that it's justified in certain occasions. Okay. Very smart people need to be in charge, though. Yeah. Um, we can't have the 75th Ranger Regiment patrolling the streets, kicking in doors the way that Rangers do in their badass, awesome way. Rangers are amazing. Yeah. But they're not trained that's to deal role. with hearts and with hearts and minds in that capacity. Well, yes and no. I don't. I don't want to get into that. Uh, because they deal with hearts and minds in overseas, uh, but it's, Their it's mission just is different. Yeah, I mean, talk about you know, the most badass SWAT team. That's that's Ranger Regiment. You know, you don't really want your most badass SWAT team dealing with the public during a peaceful protest. Yeah, like, save them for something else. Uh, so you, you have military police across all branches of the military in the Air Force. It's called security forces. Um, so in a state like New York, where the governor is not really doing a whole lot to stop the destructive rioting, uh, I can see it being justified in New York. Mm -hmm. um, but again, really smart, need, really smart people need to be in charge. Um, and you had mentioned, we talked about this a couple days ago, that if uh, you w you wouldn't want to really be a part of it if, say, we got sent to Minneapolis. Yeah, and you you brought a really interesting perspective into it that I hadn't thought about. So you, you want to go and get into that? Yeah, for free. you need people with a level mind to be in those scenarios. You have a lot of people that don't handle stress well. Uh, a lot of people that are young. You know, there's a lot of 18 year olds in the military serving in a law enforcement capacity, whereas as a civilian. You can't even apply to be a law enforcement officer until you're 21. Mm -hmm. We have 18-year-olds doing it. Uh, so there needs to be level-minded people on the playing field to make sure that poor situations like sticking your goddamn knee in somebody's neck doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so th that's where I stand on it. Uh, I would want to go if they were to send a group from our squadron I would want to go for for that aspect. Um, I don't want somebody that doesn't handle stress very well or better than I, worse than I, uh, somebody that takes offense to being called names very easily. And uh, we've both been in situations on duty in uniform where mm -hmm. we're getting torn down just because we have a badge on our uniform. Yeah. Uh, when I'm in uniform. My That's mental different. state is so different. Yeah. You can call me whatever you want. Okay, just, hey, that's fine, sir. You know, no big deal. Some people don't have that mindset. It doesn't transfer over. Mm -hmm. um, so they react in an unprofessional way. And we're seeing this with civilian law enforcement right now. Uh, going with what we were talking about earlier, the law enforcement officer that pushed the elder, elderly male. Uh, so yeah, uh, 
I think under certain circumstances, it's definitely justified. You just need smart people involved, and I would hope that whatever units do get activated, National Guard, active duty, whatever, the uh, commander of those units looks at their people and decides to send the right ones. I couldn't have said it any better, because here's the thing. Uh, Whenever I first heard about it, I was very wary because I've seen the police do things that I disagreed with, uh, and I don't want to be wrapped up into the category of harming my own citizens. Uh, almost, there's very small circumstances that apply, right, where I would. Um, and you really changed my perspective on it because I hope that I do portray like a pretty level-headed mind. I'm fairly logical, and. You're right, maybe it would be beneficial to have somebody like me out there. Now, I would be over my guys the whole time, like hounding on them, you know, because there are situations where you do just have to get down and dirty. But I think that whenever you're, especially whenever you're dealing with your own public, I think that love and respect will go a lot a lot further than being violent with people. Yeah, and man. That's what I would hope to achieve if I got activated to do that. Um, a lot of people want to fight fire with fire. But sometimes it's better to fight fire with water. You said that the other day, and it's such a simple saying, but in that moment, and again, it's just such a powerful thing because right now we're seeing fire with fire a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would hope that if I got activated, uh, you know, I would handle things with fire with water. You know, hey, I understand your frustration. I'm on your side. I may be wearing a uniform and be in a dir- the direction that your that your opposition is, but. I got you. I understand. Um, now there are going to be people who just don't want to hear you out. They just see you as a badge. They see you as a, an oppressive ent- entity. And right now, if people want to take out some anger by just using words, like we're, we're not in third grade, sticks and stones might exactly. hurt me. But like, give exactly. me a break. Like I can handle getting yelled at. Boom. Like take take some aggravation out so that you can go home and sleep better. That's yeah, exactly. Fine. So you don't go burn down some innocent guy's house or get wrapped up in the. The allure, the allure of throwing a brick through people's windows. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Yell at me. I'm not gonna get upset with you. I'm not gonna put my hands on you. I'll give you a hug afterwards. Exactly. Take it out. I get it. You know, uh, I did see a really powerful video where there was a older black man and a younger black man, and they were having a pretty heated conversation with one another. And the younger black guy, he just grabs him and he hugs him and he tells him, you know, it's much bigger than what you, than what you realize. And the older black guy's like, I'm just tired of this shit. I'm tired of getting walked on. And I'd hope that that's how I would, and I know that that's how I'd be because you know how I am as an American and as a person. If somebody were to get upset with me like that, there's something bigger going on. And I think that it'd be appropriate to respect the fact that they have an anger that they should be allowed to get out of them. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I think, you know, that story that you tell, told of the uh, young and older black male goes into what we were talking about earlier where programs of the past made black people suffer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, of course that older black male is gonna be upset. Have feelings of some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And those programs have been eliminated and you know luckily the younger male was able to have a different point of view. Uh, the only thing I, I just hope that we continue to grow. Uh, I hope that we fix the mistakes of the past. Um, you know, we can never eliminate the past, but we can fix it. 
begin to make things right for the future. Um, and in order to do that, I feel like the way that we do that is by starting off by having tough discussions with each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something Dan Holloway, guy on Drinking Bros podcast, said, mm-hmm. you know, that a lot of people, a lot of white people are being real quiet right now because they feel like uh, it's, it, it's not my voice that needs to be heard heard right now. Yeah. And that's bullshit. Uh, I, I believe the latest census says that uh, white people make up 60% of the nation. Mm-hmm. If we all shut up, more than half the nation is quiet. Yeah. We can't affect change if half more than half the nation is quiet. We have to speak up. We have to let our black brothers and sisters know that we're on your side. Yeah. The past has been fucked up. The current situation is fucked up. But we're in agreement with you. Let, let's let's find a way to make sure the future isn't the same way. Um, and I, I just hope enough people are waking up. Uh, this has been a eye-opening situation for me. I've, I've learned a lot. I've done a lot of research. I've realized that uh, if you were born 40, 50 years ago, as a, as a black person, the, the deck was stacked against you. It was, yeah. Uh, this has been the most eye-opening event in recent history for me, educationally, socially. I mean, unreal. The amount of information that I just didn't think about or didn't look into. Um, you know, I didn't believe in white privilege for a while. And I realized that there is actually some good foundation to where there is white privilege. Um, and But somebody that we were speaking with in the office the other day had a really good way of putting it. People get offended whenever they hear white privilege, whenever white people get offended, because people like to think that they work really hard for what they've got. Mm-hmm. And people think that, don't think that, oh, my race has something to do with it. But it may. And in often circumstances, it does. Well, it's, you look at a white farmer. Uh, farmers have one of the hardest jobs in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you look at a white farmer and he's up at before the crack of dawn working all day he's got a hard life he's got a hard job and then you somebody comes on the news and says that a a different group of people have it way harder than he does yeah of course he's gonna feel some sort of way about that he's like I I work my hands to the bone every goddamn day yada 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 nobody has it harder than me but government programs and government policies have made it not physically harder but systemically harder systematically harder you have to fight the system to get to the same place mm-hmm. as a black person That's and a good luckily, analogy. It, it's gotten so much better uh, just in the time that I've been alive you know uh, and it's only going to get better I really hope that out of this situation a lot of positive change comes along and I think it will uh, what, what's just terrifying is how easily the emotions of the population work have been controlled by mainstream media and foreign actors um, now foreign actors can you go into that yeah so if you get a chance, there's a article on Havoc Journal, which is a news agency started by and ran by veterans. Um, 
I spoke earlier about how hard it is to find factual information. Uh, these guys and gals are trying to be that factual news source and uh, Coffee or Die magazine is another really good one. Um, but on Havoc Journal, there's an article titled, uh, We Are the Useful Idiots. And I can pull it up, but basically the, the article, uh, the author spoke with uh, a former CIA director. Uh, I might have the title wrong. I can pull it up if you want me to. But he was former, uh, he worked at the White House. Uh, he now works at the National, I think it's called the National Spy Museum. Uh, really high level dude. He worked with Deb Grew, which is yeah. SEAL Team 6. Um, he has, has spoke out with this author talking about the influence of uh, foreign agencies, China, Korea, and Russia being the three main ones uh, that infiltrate social media mainly to take advantage of our split population. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we're still, still dealing with a two-party system, which is, that's a four-hour conversation on its own. Yeah. We're completely asinine that in 2020 we still have a two-party system. Uh, <clears throat> but these countries take advantage of that. And the author also spoke to a KGB defector that defected to the United States in 1984, I believe, what it was. And uh, he spoke on the KGB's uh, method of operation when it came to separating U.S. citizens from each other, mm -hmm. uh, saying that as America, our biggest weakness is that we're a divided nation. Mm -hmm. And these outside foreign agencies can influence that. They can hop on social media and make dividing, divisive posts and which immediate, immediately makes people go back to their corners. Uh, and that's exactly what we saw three days after Mr. Floyd's death is, it, you know, everybody was uniting on this and then boom, mainstream media comes in. Uh, I firmly believe that some of the posts that I had seen were sponsored by foreign state actors. And the next thing you know, everybody's at each other's throats. Um, Interesting. I started seeing sponsored posts on my Facebook stream that were so far right, they were disgusting. Really? See, I, I don't know if it's just me, but I haven't seen any of that. So, uh, I have, and... Uh, That's why I'm not aware of this. So, and it's... I firmly believe that I'm seeing... I might be identified on Facebook, because Facebook collects all kinds of data so that they can target different ads and whatnot to you so that different companies on Facebook can uh, pinpoint their advertisement mm -hmm. if, you know, a gun uh, a gun safe company wants to target specific groups to advertise to. Facebook's got that data. Mm -hmm. um, Hell, whenever I was looking at buying the RV, the first thing that came up after we left Camping World was an RV. What, what coincidentally enough, was the exact RV that we were looking at. Well, that's a Facebook main, uh, keeps track of all your cookies. Yeah. Uh, even when you're not on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So you do a Google search and Facebook analyzes that and then targets their advertising 
on your page based off your Google activity. Uh, so you're able to buy this data essentially and KGB, China, North Korea, they're able to do the same thing. They're able to take advantage of the same data and essentially, you know, feed off of wild emotions during a, a crazy time like this. And same with mainstream media. We spoke earlier about that there's no money in, in peace for mm -hmm. mainstream media. They, they want you to be split apart. They want you to be outraged. They want you to be checking to see uh, what these crazy uh, far right guys are doing now and they, vice versa. Oh, Antifa's involved with the riots, so we're going to feed on that and come up with some wild stuff to say about Antifa that may or may not be true, but it's going to grab our audience's eye and they're going to spend more time on our website, which is going to bring us more advertisement dollars. Yeah. It, it's all a broken system. Um, if you get a chance, please look up the uh, Havoc Journal, We Are the Useful Idiots article. And how do you um, spell Havoc uh, on their site? So H-O-V-O-K, it might be O-C-K, um, but Google Havoc Journal, it, it'll pop up. Okay. Um, and so the article goes into what the whole useful idiots idea is that you and I are the useful idiots to, in this case, the KGB, because this is the uh, words of the KGB defector. Uh, find people with a stance on something and then ignite the emotions of that stance. So now I'm gonna shove stuff down your newsfeed that is going to, incite if, you. if you're against these riots, I'm gonna show you all the worst aspects of this riot. And I'm gonna try and just make you more and more separated from the rest of your community, population, whatever, because it's if a there smart was, strategy. Yeah, if there's, uh, if there's disparity, if there's distrust among the American population, it makes it so much easier for outside agencies to influence our population. So the. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is well documented. As military members, we're constantly briefed to keep our social media on lockdown. Uh, that outside agencies are constantly trying to gain, uh, invoke, data. Gain, gain data, invoke their opinion on things, influence the whole uh, Russian influence on the election. That was real. It just so happens that there was actually a larger influence on Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. than Donald Trump. It's so funny that they pressed that issue so hard because they were hoping she would make it. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, something that nobody's talking about is Hillary was just on trial the other day. And she Not was, on trial, but She's going to have to come back in September. Yep. Uh, they found probable cause for her emails and her server issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, to hold her accountable in the court of law. Which is great, but if that doesn't show you how ineffective our government can be at times, this happened in 2013. Yep. It's 2020. Yep. Seven years later. And we're still allowing this individual to go up for a presidency. Yeah. It's and insane. Then we've got Obamagate going on, where uh, if you're not tracking on that, which a lot of people aren't because there's been so little news coverage on it, uh, Obamagate 
uh, President Obama, before Trump was even elected, was tasking the FBI to farm data to ruin Trump's candidacy. I heard about that. Uh, which, using, using the FBI as your own personal investigator uh, to disrupt... The, dip- the, the democracy the, of the, the nation? The democracy of the nation, the yeah. right way to put it. It is so morally wrong. Uh, whether you like Obama or not, I don't care. That 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 is one of the most egregious acts that a president can take, or any public official that because, has taken. Yeah, because you're swaying an election, and you have to understand that the voice of the people, we have the right to be heard, and that's against the very like. If anything we've talked about today, that is against the foundation of a nation at most. And then you have the same people that President Obama was using as his own private investigator to then say all this Russia stuff against Trump. Like, of course they're going to be on Obama's side. They were in his back pocket from the get-go. And now if they get found out, or if he gets found out, they're going to get found out. So they're going to say whatever he tells, whatever he's tells them to say. Uh, and then we still have the Epstein stuff going on. We, you know, we're inches away from finding out all these different politicians and celebrities and whatnot uh, molesting underage girls. There's a documentary on Netflix that is honestly hard to watch because of how dark and disgusting it is. Really? Um, yeah. See, Carol Ann had brought it up to me that she heard how good it was it, and it's how great. horrifying it is. It, it, it's a very well done documentary, but it I I can't watch it for too long because how disgusted I get. I don't want to. I don't want rape right in front of my face for two hours. You know. You know, and interestingly enough, I don't want it either. Um, well, that's not the interesting part. What's interesting is, is I heard a really good argument about having violence in front of your face. Um, it, it's hard to watch, but it's the actuality of circumstances. So Ben Shapiro, uh, if you guys don't know who Ben Shapiro is, you guys should look him up. I'm a really big advocate of Ben Shapiro because I do support almost all of his policies and the things that he says. He's very smart. Now, whether you agree with him or you disagree with him, he does have an excellent foundation that he stands on. Um, and he brought up a really good point about abortion once, and how he was walking in some big city, and right in the middle of the city, they had abortion pictures lined up of women who were spread open, and abortions were taking place, and then dead children, and what they looked like, and he was like, oh, God, you know, I don't want to fucking see this. But then it clicked in, and he said, this is the actuality. This is realism. Like how we were talking earlier about how chief and general, completely unfiltered, it's going to offend you. The actuality of life will also offend you because you don't think it's there, but then you're hit with it. And so whenever Carol Ann had brought up how horrific it was, I also was thinking, this is probably what we need. Because I don't think a lot of people realize how violent and just evil these people are. Uh, and, and I believe that those images and those details allow you to see that, to bring the actuality to you, the realism, the reality of situations. Oh, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I'm continuing to watch. And I just, normally when I get into a good documentary or a good series, I'll, I'll watch it nonstop until it's over. Uh, I've had to separate episodes uh, on this one, though, just because... It, it affects my mood, it affects, you know, uh, me uh, 
throughout my day. So I, I can't handle too much at one time. You know, uh, on my first deployment, we had a guard guy that was with us. And this was whenever I was at the guard, in the guard at the time. And his part-time job, or his full-time job, was he was a DEA agent. But he worked in the uh, sexual children's sexual abuse department of the DEA, which I didn't know that they had one, but apparently they do. This guy was so scarred and so messed up from having to see the things, because somebody has to bear witness and testify on the children's behalf if they've either been completely mutilated or killed. Um, even if, you know, children, small children, uh, babies or infants, they don't have the capability of being able to invoke or, you know, say, hey, that's the man who did it or woman who did it. Um, so his job was to go through this, ensure that the individual that's on trial or uh, the subject that they're having custody is that person and he would have to watch the videos and the uh, go through the pictures he said that uh, that it was it is the most mentally scarring job that he's ever had like it messed him it caused him to have PTSD really bad I don't doubt it one bit and it's just I'm, and my heart breaks for him I'm not I'm not gonna say his name but if he's listening you know I think about that guy every every you know couple of months whenever I hear stuff like this. Every time I hear a sexual assault case that involves a child, his, his the picture of his face comes up in my head, and it just breaks my heart because I know that he has a hard time with it. Um, you know. Yeah, that, that's a extremely difficult job, and I, I imagine I'd be the same way. I, I'd imagine any logical person would be. So. Not to switch gears up too much here. You're okay, but you brought up abortion. What the sounds like you're hard against. I am against abortion. abortion. Yeah. Um, so I am against abortion. Okay. Um, I'm very much pro-life. My wife is pro-choice. We have some really interesting arguments or really debates on it. Um, so I don't believe that it has to do with a woman's reproductive rights um, as much as what the public pushes it out to be. I believe that it has a lot of it has to do with somebody's ability to be able to circumvent a system or get around the responsibility of an action that you knowingly have. Now, people like to bring in rape or sexual assault or they like to bring in incest, but people don't realize that that makes up less than 1% of all abortions in America. And so people like to build this massive foundation and this huge pillar of an argument but it's challenging to do whenever it makes it less than 1%. Should it be something that should be discussed? Absolutely. But let's look at the facts. Majority of abortions take place because people are just inexperienced and they don't have the financial or eco economical or mature, um, uh, the maturity to be able to handle the situation that they're in. And I also tend to hear the common argument, oh, well, you know, what about the hundreds of thousand kids that are in the, uh, the uh, adoption system? Mm -hmm. And that's something that's constantly thrown in into the argument. And I just request people to open up their mind and reflect on this. Reflect on what it is that you really say whenever you bring up that argument. You're essentially saying that a child is better off dead than being in the abortion or in the adoption system. In some cases, they are. Well, I see. Here's the thing: is I, I don't feel that way. I feel like, irregardless of whatever the circumstances that that child has been put through, I would rather have an adult who is scarred who can talk through their experiences. Now, I'm not expecting every one of them to step out of the system and be a, a role model to society because they're not. But if we can invoke change and have just one person come out of a, a really rough situation and speak out on it, think of all the lives that he, could, he or she could impact in, an, in a community that is facing the same 
the same issues, whether it's sexual assault from adoption parents or drug abuse or drug addiction, whatever it is. Um, so, I also, are you aware how they do abortions? Minimally. Okay. So, kind of the same here. Um, but I've done a, a good bit of research and uh, I've talked, this is about two years ago, I had an opportunity to speak with a, a doctor who formally did abortions for Planned Parenthood. Now this is something that I know, never really talk about because it, it upsets me a little bit. So this doctor uh, had taught me through the process. And now there's multiple different ways of going through an abortion. Uh, one of the most common ways to go through abortion, uh, especially in the later terms of pregnancy, is they actually stick an instrument inside the woman's vagina, they go up inside there, they crush the child's head, they stick a vacuum up there, and they suck the brains out. Then they pull the body out and toss it. Um, then another form was, for a while... I'd, I'd like to fact check that one. Yeah, no, I, that I, seems I love, I love, I a little excessive. Research. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um... And that's what they do. Um, as a matter of a fact... Because what about early-term abortions where there isn't a head to crush? Oh, well, absolutely. I, that's why I said late-term abortions. I said that's one of the main ways they do it in late-term okay. abortions. So at about the four-month mark, that's whenever you start developing brain waves. At the three-month mark, you start having fingertips. So the problem is, is that where do we label life? Yeah, and that's a very tricky situation. Uh, for the most part, I agree with you. Morally, again, for the most part, I am pro-life. However, when it comes to voting, I am pro-choice. I believe in a smaller government. I don't believe it's the government's place to enact this. Same with you know many, many issues. Uh, it's a moral issue, not a federal, federal government issue. That's... You know, main, mainly where I, I was expecting this conversation to go, not into a, a crazy, uh, in-depth conversation on uh, abortion itself, but more so small government having their, uh, or big government having their hands in too many pockets. Yeah, and absolutely, I don't believe that government should be making policies for that. I do believe that it is a moral discussion and a moral issue. But one thing I would like to implore people to think about is this. 200 years ago, we thought it was okay to have slaves. And now that we've developed and we've grown as a nation and science has grown, uh, technology's grown, we've realized that there's, that's not the appropriate way to go about things, to hold someone without their consent and cause them to do manual labor, right? In my opinion, and this is personally how I feel, in about 50 to 100 years, the scientific advancements are going to be so advanced that we'll be able to tell the exact stage of when life is. And I believe that this will be a scar in human history just as slavery was with scientific advancements that are on the horizon, that we are going to look at this one day as the same way that we look at slavery. I, I think life will always be a debated issue because <clears throat> at the far end of the spectrum, you have people that will chain themselves to a tree because the tree is alive yeah. and they don't want to chop down. Um, you know, where you determine life in the womb is always going to be debated. debated. I don't think there will ever be a solid line in the sand that uh, can be hard believed on by, by the masses. Yeah, you know. uh, I don't think science will, because it, it, 
it's already there. You can determine when there's a heartbeat. You can determine when there's brain waves. You can determine when there's fingernails. Mm -hmm. The information we need to draw that line in the sand already exists, but it, uh, it'll never, in my opinion, never, never, uh, never <laughs> stop being debated. No, definitely. I, I think it's more of a moral discussion that people need to have with one another. Um, I really disagree with having abortions just out of ease. Um, you know, just because it's something that you no longer want the responsibility of or you weren't ready for. Um, now, I'm not saying I'm going to go and adopt your kid because it's not my responsibility to adopt a child that I didn't consciously have sex with, like have sex to get, right? Um, but I'd rather have a child alive to grow into an adult to do whatever um, than a child dead in the ground. Um, and that's just my, that's just the way I look at it is, yeah. you know. Now, I'm not saying some medical... I believe that there are reasons to have abortions. Now, I'm not saying, you know, medical abortions. I understand. If the mother's going to die or the baby's going to die or they're both going to die, it doesn't make sense, okay? Um, so it, it, there are there are lines that I do believe that also you need to have a moral and ethical discussion on. Um, I just, I'd rather have a live child than a dead child any day. So I'm, I'm pretty much uh, on a perpetual teeter-totter on this one, uh, morally, I instantly gravitate to abortions are bad. Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, the foster system is so ugly, and so many stories of children that are raped for their entire adolescence, mm -hmm. um, and then you on um, another side of the the coin, you've got people that. Uh, keep a kid and then they're in a perpetual state of poverty mm -hmm. and live a terrible life don't know when their next meal's coming uh, and you have a lot of child deaths in both the foster system and in uh, impoverished homes so I, I understand the argument of this child would not have a decent life if they were born mm -hmm. so in some ways, are you doing them a favor? Um, I, I in, think it's some scenarios opinion, that might be true. In my opinion, I don't believe that there's any situation for another human being to place the life of a child and say whether you deserve to live or not live, or it's a better choice or not a better choice. And that's just my opinion. On that. And, and amen. Like, I, I, I don't have a firm. Yeah. The only firm stance I have on this is that it's not. The federal government's place to make a decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, outside of that, like, uh, I would hope that if I got a girl pregnant at 16, which I didn't, uh, but if I would have, I hope that I would have made the appropriate a, choice. Yeah, an appropriate choice. Um, but a situation didn't happen, so I can't tell you what I would have done. And it's easy um, to walk to, to judge somebody. It's so yeah. easy to judge, you know, because here's the thing is I haven't been in that situation. Um, I, I've had pregnancy scares, you know, um, but nothing where it was like, we're not keeping it, nothing like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, they ended up not being pregnant. Um, so it's like the conversation ended there, and it was like, hey, whatever. And I think the, the whole uh, aspect that it's only the woman's choice and that is, is wrong. Um, now, if the dude's a dirtbag and he walks away from the situation, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But especially if the, the guy's emotionally invested, uh, the, the guy should 
definitely have a it say. It took two things. to create. It should take two to decide. Yeah. Um, um, I, I definitely equal rights go both ways. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from women. Uh, I come from a household of five beautiful, strong women. Uh, so I, I am right there on the lines with the, you know, women's rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the male in the situation should should have a say as well. Absolutely, it should be an equal say. Irregardless of that child inside of you or not, it should be even. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You good? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, uh, I just cracked my elbow. I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but it was pretty loud. I yeah, got it some, was. Uh, some janky joints from uh, <laughs> BMX and motocross days. But uh, yeah, man. So what's something light we can talk about? You know, I feel light. like we've been talking about some heavy stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, we have been. Shit. Something light. Oh, dude, you like those burgers earlier? Yeah. So we, uh, we've we been grilling out today, and uh, we're going to have some steaks a little bit later on. And Recently, some, uh, uh, some, like, what is it, what do they call it, a boil or the fish? Oh, uh, surf and turf. Surf and turf, that's what it is. Yeah, Drake's never heard the term surf and turf before. Yeah, I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> we're having some, some scallops with our steaks later on. Uh, recently bought a Traeger, uh, even though we're not using that today, just because... I made some uh, some bacon wrapped venison backstrap the other day. Killed um, it. First time smoking venison. Uh, last season was my first season hunting, so I'm new to cooking venison all the way around. Um, so I'm very happy with how that came out. Uh, so if you ever want to smoke some venison, wrap it in bacon because venison's so lean that uh, it'll get dried out real quick. Okay. Throw some salt and pepper on there. Call it a day. Badass. You, you you won't be disappointed. Dude, you killed it, man. Whenever you brought those into work and you're like, hey, man, I got some in the fridge. Killed it. I had both of them. I had the bacon wrapped and then uh, what were those other ones that you had? So time? they were both bacon wrapped. Just one was more wrapped than the other. Uh, gotcha. It was a, a backstrap and cube steak. Oh, okay. All right. Makes sense. Yeah, no, it was really good. Uh, and I'm excited for the steaks tonight. Yeah, man. I think those are going to be killer. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Um. How's the bikes been running? So, uh, I haven't got a chance to, to ride a whole lot lately. It's been raining like crazy here. Yeah, it uh, has been. But, and uh, I've been riding my bicycle to work on the days that it's not raining, trying to lose some of this belly. <laughs> that quarantine weight. Yeah, way. man. <laughs> uh, but, you know, today's a lovely day. I wish I was out riding today, but, you know, yeah. having a good conversation instead. Absolutely, yeah. Um, boat, how's the boat life? So that's been uh, an event in itself. Um, oh, tell them the story. Yeah, so <laughs> I, my parents are retiring in a couple of months and I was able to buy the boat that I grew up with from them. It's a ski Centurion. It's an inboard ski boat with a, a wakeboard boom. Awesome, awesome boat. Uh, parents drove it and met me in El Paso and drove it uh, I got to drive it from El Paso out to South Carolina, made it all the way with, you know, minimal issues. Go to take it out two weekends ago for the first time, and we're 15 minutes away from the lake. It's an hour and a half drive, 15 minutes away, and I start looking at my mirrors, making sure, every, you know, tires are good to go. I just paid $800 to put new tires all the way around the trailer. 
but you know, just being smart, uh -huh. keeping an eye on things. And you know, I can't see the uh, passenger side tires very well. So I'm asking my wife who's in the passenger seat to, to look. I'm, my sister's in the back of the truck, so I'm asking her to take a look. And then, you know, everything looks great. Five minutes later, <laughs> we're crossing a bridge over a large body of water. And I look in my rear view mirror on the driver's side and there's a tire missing. <laughs> And then I watch for 15 more seconds and the second tire on the driver's side blows. So I'm missing a tire, second tire blows, and the boat is now at a 30 degree angle leaning towards the left. So I get across this bridge, pull over, and I, I'm, it's everything I can do to stay calm. My wife and my sister hop out of the truck, they're trying to be helpful. Uh, but they're getting in the way. It's like whenever dad would have you hold the flashlight and you look away from one. What the fuck? Dude, just <laughs> just their presence at that point because I was so frustrated. I There's nothing you can do. Get in the truck is what I told them. And they were like, okay. <laughs> Not another word. Got back in the truck. Uh, so, and, you know, I, I started getting to work and, you know, I, I pull out my, uh, my truck's jack and start put, trying to put the spare tire on there. Uh, but because the, the front left tire fell off due to me over torquing the lug nuts, uh, the frame is too low to the ground that I can't jack it up high enough. Just put, put the spare tire on. Mm -hmm. So luckily a good Samaritan drove by uh, and he had a slow hammer in the back of his truck, was able to put that under the frame while I had it jacked up, uh, was able to lower the frame onto the sledgehammer and position the jack at a lower point on the frame. Everything was good to go. If this dude wouldn't have showed up, I don't know. What you would have done? Yeah, I, I would have been in trouble. Wow. Uh, so there's, there's still good people out in the world that'll go and help a stranger. I was hoping this guy was gonna follow me into the parking lot that I pulled into so that I can you know, offer him some money, offer to buy him lunch, something. You know, of course I thanked him several times while he was giving me a hand but you know, I wanted to do more, but yeah. he just a good guy, had his family with him, you know, pulled over and it really reminded me of my dad because I can't tell you how many times I was riding in a car with my dad and somebody broke down on the side of the road and he pulls over to help him. Yeah, uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, really good people. It's similar to like uh, the, the cart rule at like Walmart and Target, you'll see what I'm saying in a second, where you have an option to do it but sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. So it's like that guy had an option to keep going, but he didn't. Yeah. You know, so he, he chose the moral good. Um, and then we bought our RV, yeah, which, yeah. Is, uh, which is exciting. Yeah, that's really uh, cool. We're going to be doing a lot of videos in the RV. We're going to be doing a lot of podcasts in the RV because it's just it's easier. You know, getting there. Everything we already have is like right there. Get started on it. Uh, going to be talking about the road and stuff a lot. You know, just different experiences. Uh, so we're really looking forward to it. We're going to be staying in it full time, and we're just we're happy about that. Yeah, man, that'll be sweet for you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so we're stoked. We got one month left. Hell yeah, man. Then we're done. Yeah, now on to the next chapter. Yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping uh, this summer's real good. I hope we get to take out the boat, you know, at, at least once a month. Um, you know, of course, I want to ride the motorcycle as much as possible. Mm hmm uh, two wheels for life. Uh, I'd yeah. really like to get me another eventually. 
Uh, I was actually talking to Caroline about that the other day. You know, just with the amount of money that we're going to be saving, I mean, it we we'll probably be able to get one either next year or the year after. Um, but we just want to fully get out of debt. We want to pay off the truck. We want to pay off the RV. Um, and then really, that's our our only main sources of debt are just a couple of credit cards, which we just do like normal monthly transactions on and pay off, so the credit keeps building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, one other loan, and then truck and RV. That's all we have. Everything else we have pretty much outright. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we're stoked. We want to get completely financial free, then just do our own thing. Yeah, that's the way to do it, dude. Yeah, yeah. It takes some time, but we'll be able to get it. Yeah, and where you guys are going out to? It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm super jealous. Hell yeah. But uh, what else, man? Man, I don't know. I feel good. Yeah. You feel good? I feel good. Hell yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, uh, trying to think of something. I mean, we don't have to think of shit. <laughs> we can fucking sit here and talk all damn day. We can talk for 15 minutes. We're on no agenda. What are we at right now? We are at 2 hours, 8 minutes, and 25 seconds. Holy crap. I know. Uh, I don't want to bore anybody, man. I, I think uh, uh, majority we touched on, on, on a lot of good stuff. I think uh, we got some good information out there. We uh, showcased our opinions pretty well. And hopefully, you know, I, I just hope that somebody out there learned a little bit about the government programs that were of the past that have really made life difficult to this day for the black community. That's uh, the big it, It's been very eye-opening to me. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it's hard to hear sometimes. You don't want to hear that your hard work is less than somebody else's. You don't want to hear that somebody has it harder than you. Um, and when you're a white dude that's not racist. It's hard to hear. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to fathom. Because, you know, never having done uh, or perpetuated racism, you, you don't recognize these things. You're right. You're not living with it every day. And it's not that you're, you're ignoring it. It's just that you're generally almost always coming from a place of compassion and so you don't have this malicious intent because of somebody's race or ethnicity or religion in your art so you don't pay it any attention so whenever you do hear it you're like what the fuck I'm a white guy why are you bringing my race into it I'm out of my own damn business so go do some research go look at the development of the middle class and how that was largely due to the GI Bill and look at the segregation of uh, universities and colleges at that time period Go look at the uh, red house, housing redlining. Uh, just do do some legitimate research. Realize that you know they there have been some things stacked up against the black community, and it's time to acknowledge that, acknowledge and, it and move forward. Yes, make the appropriate uh, adjustments, help them out, support them, and uh, let's move on from there. You know, uh, maybe set your pride aside every now and then when a, a comment is made about your demographic because just because your demographics in question does not mean that it it's your in question you yeah just because you're a cop and people are speaking out against bad cops does not mean that people hate you just because you're white and fe- pe- certain people feel oppressed by white people doesn't mean that they feel oppressed by you mm-hmm. uh, take take some pride out of it 
do some research, have some conversations. Let's uh, make sure that George Floyd did not die in vain. Let's let's find some positivity here and create some more. I agree. Jake, man, I really appreciated having you on, man. I've been wanting to have you on for a while now. It's been challenging with COVID. Um, you were a guest that I've been looking forward to the most. There was one other guy that I'm so stoked to have on too, but so happy to have you on. Um, Hell yeah, man. Let's have go fuck these steaks up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, cool, guys. We really appreciate you tuning in. We'd love to have you guys tuning in. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Leave your opinion on there. Message me privately if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is. Uh, just don't hit me up on the timeline. Um, feel free to reach out anytime. I love different opinions. I love different views. And you guys be safe. Okay, bye. Bye.